Hey, Connect family, so glad that you are with me today. We're celebrating kind of Christmas in our Christmas Eve services. Whether you are here uh, online for the first time, I just want to welcome you if you're a part of our Connect family, whether that be extended or right up close. So glad you could be with us. I want to welcome all the city groups that are meeting today. Come on, give yourselves a big hand in all the city groups. Yeah, come on, it's so good to be together in person on this special occasion. So listen, uh, we've been in a series, this can be set as a one-off message, but it's also connected to a series of messages entitled Light in the Darkness, and I've been unpacking John chapter 1, and so if you're interested, go back, listen to our messages on YouTube or also on our website, but this is really the, the third installment, but also a special short Christmas Eve message for you. Now, As I intro today's message, I don't know if you've ever been in this type of situation. I suspect you have. Have you ever had friends, close loved ones, relatives, or whatever, they go maybe even during the Christmas holidays to a show, to a concert, or maybe some kind of a party where there's entertainment, and they see a certain someone or a certain something, they come back, and whether to make you feel bad, to entice you, to get you to go and do the same thing, what they will say is something we've all heard. They'll say, you had to be there. Derek, you had to be there. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, if I could have been there, I would have been there, but I couldn't be there. But they said, no, no, you just don't understand. You had to be there. And there is something about uh, going and seeing this someone live and in person, live and in person. So tonight's message, this afternoon message, whenever you're listening to this, is entitled Live and in Person. And I think we know, I think you know, something deep down inside of us that there is something special. There's something distinct, something unique about uh, seeing something or seeing someone live and in person. And at the cusp of uh, Christmas, we're right there. And at the end of what we know to be Advent, something we've been celebrating as a church, we often forget something. We often um, become overly familiar with something that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was actually here on earth, live and in person. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, came from heaven to earth. Or I like to say, and we modernize this, you know, Santa Claus may be coming to town, but Jesus, he already came down. Come on, somebody, turn to your neighbor, give him an air high five for that one. Now, in the continuation of this, uh, this kind of study we've been doing from John chapter 1, join me as we continue in this. We've been talking about John 1, 1, John uh, 5 through 6. We talked about uh, John uh, 10, 11, and 12 last week. But today, we're talking about John chapter 1, verse 14, and this exegesis of this chapter. It says this. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I remember uh, reading about this, um, this artist, this very famous artist named Banksy. 
B-A-N-K-S-Y, Banksy. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this particular artist, he is a uh, world-renowned uh, street artist. And he would set up his, in kind of these hidden places producing these incredible works of art, in a sense vandalizing sometimes public property with his incredible artwork. And his works have become famous, so famous that people will pay millions and millions of dollars for Banksy's artwork. In fact, if it was on a building or if it was on a you know, a, a, a wall or it was on, you know, somewhere along the train tracks. People would actually take the wall. They would take that art and they would rip it off. And so his works of uh, art have been uh, political in nature. They've dealt with social commentary, social justice issues. They've been featured on, uh, on street walls and bridges literally throughout the world. In 2011, he was nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, in 2014, he was awarded Person of the Year at the 2014 Webby Awards. So you may not know him, but he's pretty, pretty popular. And his last piece of artwork, they're going to show you this in just a minute, it showed up on a garage wall. And and it's, you can see it right there. It's, 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 for some people, they go crazy over this. But people were overwhelmed, not just by the artwork, but they were overwhelmed that Banksy had showed up there. And his most recent work here is called Season Greetings. And you see, you know, this dumpster fire, this little boy lapping in the, 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 the snowflakes from Christmas. And it supposedly has some special message to it, a particular message that he was trying to communicate. And it's deep and it's, and it's pithy. But what I found of particular interest was, especially in light of the Christmas holiday, was how fascinated, how humbled, how honored that the people were that Banksy himself in the flesh, live and in person, had come to their little town, had come to this, this street corner, had come to their bridge, and he had actually been there. And when I thought about the joy that the people had, about this famous person that had been present, this, this artist that had come near them and, and to them, it made me think about Christmas. It made me think about where we are today. It's a similar um, it's similar to Christmas, but it's distinct and different in this respect. See, Banksy, this artist, comes to a city, comes to a location and others around the world that he had been to, and he will remain anonymous. He will remain hidden. He will remain uh, covert. But Christmas reminds us, it reminds me that God comes into the world for the sake of revealing himself to us. Can I have an amen in the chat? Can I have an amen in all the city groups? See, think about this. In some ways, um, and up to this point in history, Christ's true, complete, entire identity had been hidden in a measure. Uh, no one really got a full look, got a full glimpse, full picture of who God truly was, what he was like, what he looked like, as, as it were. Christmas changes all of that because God came to be seen. God came in the flesh, live and in person. Now, when I think about Christmas and you think about Christmas, another description maybe underneath this is God chose to come close to us, to be near with us. In fact, we, we often uh, sing the song and, and we refer to scriptures about God with us, Emmanuel. And he came so close, John 1.14 says, that the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And so when we typically think about the Christmas story, uh, the way we unpack it, the way it unfolds for us, we typically begin with the Christmas story in the context of time. Uh, The linear, let's say, formations of the Christmas story might start back in Israel, and then, uh, you know, it goes through certain key figures, uh, Simeon, and and, and might get, maybe John the Baptist is in there a little bit, and then Joseph, and the angels, and the shepherds, and the the wise men, and, and that's how it is typically told. In fact, that's how the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, the most common uh, views of the Christmas story. But John is also a gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John is one of the gospels. And John begins the story of Christmas uh, not to tell of it through how his Jesus human life began. He doesn't tell it through how Jesus' human life began. No, John begins the story differently. Instead of speaking of Jesus' human family origin, he speaks of human families' origins in Jesus. He flips it. He turns the whole thing upside down. And he lets everyone know from the beginning... That Jesus was more than a man. That Jesus was more than a carpenter or a carpenter's son. He was more than just a son, a rabbi, a teacher, a healer. This human being that came from heaven to earth is none other than the Son of God, God of God, and light of light. It's an amazing, amazing difference and distinction in the Christmas story. John 1.1 says it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And check this out. And the Word was God. That's where we'll focus today. John offers at the very beginning this uh, very majestic, eternal language. He offers uh, a different approach. It's more cosmological, metaphysical, supernatural to speak about this coming of God from heaven to earth. And in John 14, 4, John uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 4 and 5, excuse me, it says, in him was life in Christ. And that life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. And no matter how dark it is in your life today, you need to know something. The light continues to shine. Even when darkness continues to come, the light continues to shine as well. And the light will always overcome the darkness. And so he talks about the word becoming light and how that darkness cannot overcome it. And then in in verse 14, he says something that staggers the human mind. This light, this word that was light, now becomes flesh. Word becomes light. The light becomes flesh. And so what I want to do for our time of reflection and even readiness for Christmas itself is break down this verse in kind of three ways. And I want you to see, in a sense, three gifts from God at Christmas through John chapter 1, verse 14. It says this. It says, Uh, The Word becomes flesh, and the Word dwelt among us. So we have the Word, we have becomes flesh, dwelling with us. Those are the three gifts. So first, the Word. What are we talking about when we talk about the Word? In the Greek language, the word uh, there is determined or defined as logos. It means the written Word, the written Word of God. It's also where we get the word logic from. Jesus is the logic of God, the written Word of God. But to make it more plain, to make it more uh, pedestrian, to say Jesus is the Word is to say this. It's to say that Jesus is 
and has become the clearest revelation of who God really is. When Jesus, when the Word uh, becomes uh, the Word becomes God, and the God is the Word, it's basically saying that Jesus is that description of who, uh, that clearest revelation of who God really is. Why? Because a person's word is the clearest revelation of who somebody really is. If you think about this. Um, Maybe you're a person who likes to be hospitable and host somebody at your house for dinner. Let's say you're going to have pastor over for dinner. And maybe out and about in public, you've seen him knick-knack, paddywhack a few snacks here and there, eat a few things at an event, but you're not sure what he likes. Does he like Mexican? Does he like, you know, American? Does he like Italian? Italian? Like, what does he like? And so the public because it went to the private, it's got you a little tied up in knots and, and, and you weren't sure what they would like. And so you're a little anxious as you've uh, declared this invitation for this private dinner. So how do you handle it? What do you do? How do you overcome that? Well, you ask them, right? You ask them outright. You say, hey, PD, what do you like? Do you like, do you like this or do you like that? Well, no, if I just said, well, I, I love Italian. I love Italian. Well, now you know. Why? Because I declared what I love. The spoken word revealed what was important to me. So they knew what to prepare because of what I preferred, because of what I said. And so that's how you'll know the spoken word very clearly communicated that. That's what John is saying in this text. He's saying Jesus Christ is the clearest revelation of who God is. When God wanted to let the world know who God is and what he was like, he sends his word. He sent his word. And then he speaks his word, and that spoken word was and is Jesus Christ. They're one and the same. God says Jesus is the word of God, and God is saying if you want to know who I am, just listen to the word, or just listen to Jesus, because they're one and the same. Jesus is the uh, the full, uh, complete, physical embodiment of who God is. So I often say sometimes that if you want to learn good doctrine, study Jesus, study his life. He is the physical representation of good doctrine. You want to know what to believe and how to practice what you believe, you look at Jesus. So you can know certain aspects of God from creation, but if you want to know definitively who God is, he is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus. Now, secondly, and this is another staggering aspect of this verse, it says, he became flesh. He became flesh. This is huge. For starters, I love that the word didn't become a religious system. I love that the word didn't become a religious institution or a theological checklist or a political movement or a uh, subjective experience. The word became flesh. And then Jesus enters this world. He lives this uh, sinless life. He uh, dies on the cross to pay for humanity's sin. He uh, rose again on the third day and he ascends unto heaven. And he, he did this for all of us. Be he became a person. He became a human. God and another human co-parented Jesus. And so God becomes uh, flesh and he was still fully God, but he was also fully man at the same time. And when he does this, in essence, Jesus marks the end of religion as we now know it by becoming a person. And so 
if you were to imagine this change in that particular time in the early church when there was a new Christian and say they were interfacing with maybe a Roman citizen or another, another uh, uh, unbeliever, let's just say, the, the, the Roman citizen may ask the Christian some questions like, where do you worship now? Like, where is your temple? And they would have said, well, we don't, we don't have, Jesus is our temple. You know, and, and we become now the temple of God because of relationship with God. And well, where do the religious leaders and, the, and, 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 and where are the, the priests and all that? Well, no, no, no. Now, now, Jesus is our high priest. So we don't have to go through a priest to get to God. Because of Jesus, we can go directly and have access, access to God because of this relationship with Jesus. Well, well, if he said, where do you offer sacrifices? And uh, that, that's what we've always done. And where do you, to, to, to kind of get the favor, to carry the favor uh, of God. Well, no, we don't have to do that because Jesus became our once and for all sacrifice. And so we don't have to do that anymore. Well, what kind of religion is this, he might say? And, and they would say to him, it's not a religion anymore. It's a relationship. See, it's good news because we don't have to do it that way anymore. The word isn't, again, a theological checklist because you can't get everything, you can, excuse me, get everything right and still be lost. You can keep the whole law. Nobody can, but, but only God could do that. But you could try to do that. You could be like the rich young ruler, but God will find that one thing you're, that, that's still missing, and that's to show you that you needed a, a person who lived that for you because you couldn't do it on your own. It wasn't a political tool, a vehicle that you can join, uh, and people do that all the time, and they're still confused. The word was alive and in person in order to best influence you personally in a personal way and also the rest of the world. Jesus came in the flesh. Why did he come in the flesh? Well, I don't think he came because he was lonely. I think he, was, I think he came because he was loving. God demonstrated his love, Romans 5.8, towards you and me. While we were yet sinners, rejecting him, giving him the Heisman, he came to us in the flesh to demonstrate his great love for us, to demonstrate uh, who he clearly was, to show and reveal also his character. But one of the things I love about the Christmas story and I love about this particular rendering of the story is Jesus comes to us First of all, it divests himself of all his divine privileges, his power and his, his majesty, and becomes a baby. He comes in ultimate vulnerability. He doesn't come in some science fiction flashy way. That's how I would come. He didn't come in the middle of the Super Bowl. That's how I would have come. He didn't come as a 30-year-old man, you know, strapping full of testosterone. That's how I would have come. No, he comes as an infant he comes as an innocent baby. I think he comes that way not to scare us, but to save us. He came also to show us that he was totally approachable. Because prior to that, he was just this mean God. He was, he was like Zeus in some people's mind, just, just large and in charge and, and just maybe even angry and upset with us all the time. But no, God was trying to say in his vulnerability, in his, in his packaging, that we could approach him. It's the great paradox of Christianity. There are so many that are there that the one who would come to defend the weak comes in total weakness. That the one who would cover the sins of humanity 
was ultimately on a cross, uncovered and exposed before all of humanity. The one who cares for all in this moment on Christmas was in need of great care. The one who holds it all together is now a baby needing to be held tightly. Think about it. Jesus shows us what God looks like, what God is like. Jesus became a human. It's amazing. So not just in ultimate vulnerability, but also in total identification he comes. Because he stayed there as a human, and he grew up there as a human. And so, therefore, if you've been rejected in your life, Jesus understands. If you have suffered loss, Jesus understands because he was a human just like you. If you've suffered, Jesus understands. If you've been abandoned, Jesus understands if you have been broken. Uh, Jesus knows what that is all about because he was broken on a cross for you, literally. And as a result, the invitation of his, his life is really an invitation for you and I. And he's basically saying, I've come to you. Now I want you to come to me because I know your story and I know your anxiety and I know your pain and I understand your problems. Uh, he was tested, the Bible says in Hebrews, at all points just as we are. Yeah, he never crossed the line, failed or, or had fallen. He had those experiences first and he had those experiences firsthand and he didn't just stay way up there he came down here for a reason and you're the reason so come to him at christmas time come near to him the word became flesh to alt to in ultimate vulnerability but the word became flesh in ultimate identification so to connect with you so that you could in turn connect with him and then lastly even more amazing he came to dwell among us when John uses this word, it's no accident because there are many different words that he could have chose. But John recognizes that to be near someone is different and distinct from being or dwelling with someone. You can live on a city block near thousands of people and never and be near them but never be with them. I was just in a, a resort with my wife celebrating our 29th year anniversary. Come on, somebody. And at our anniversary, we were with thousands of people, but we were not with them we were near them but we weren't with them uh, you can be in the same home at the same location come on somebody and even in the same bed and you can be miles apart you can be near them but you're not dwelling with them that's why it's so important and I encourage those of you who are listening online in this new year to get into a city group get into community it's more uh, than live preaching and smoke machines and Starbucks in the lobby it's about the people of God coming together the Bible refers to it in the Greek as Koinonia, it's when you participate and you celebrate and you fellowship with one another. God wants you to have one another with each other to dwell with each other. In fact, in the Old Testament, the word is to tabernacle. God came to man then to tabernacle with man. And he came with us at Christmas to show us that he didn't want to just be near us. He wanted to come close to us. He didn't want to just hang around with us. Us. He wanted to dwell with us. So God doesn't just uh, live in your neighborhood. 
You know, he doesn't, he's just not your homie in your neighborhood. God wants to be close to you, intimate with you. He even wants to dwell inside of you. This is the fundamental difference between religion and Christianity. Religion says do all you can to, to, to get to God. Good works and, and, and good outweighing the bad. But the good news is there's nothing good enough for you to do that God hasn't done all of that for you to get to you already. You just have to accept that, that he's a good God and that he's already done that for you. God already did everything to get to you. Now you just have to accept his invitation. The good news is God has come to us. You know, in the 16th chapel, there's many beautiful things that are there, but there's this painting of God and Adam. You've seen it before. It's a famous picture. It'll probably come up on the screen, and there's this theological contrast in this picture where, in essence, God, I think, he's stretching out his hand towards Adam. He's, God is making all the effort to get to Adam, and Adam is kind of like, just kind of laissez-faire, just kind of like waiting, just kind of chilling like a villain, just not really going out of his way, not really, he's got a whatever kind of attitude, and this picture, I think, is, an, is not only an explanation, but a depiction of our lives, because Christianity is not so much about our disciplined pursuit of God, but it is about his disciplined pursuit of us. He is reaching out to you now. Even through the word, he's reaching out to you right now. God wants to be with us. This, he's like, he's trying to teach us, this is us when we dwell together. It's better than a, it's more than a great show you watch on TV. It's what God has always wanted us to be a family together. But when we're doing our own thing far from God, we assume sometimes that God was, doesn't want to be with us. That he, he, if we had been doing everything right, then he would come to us. But no, even in our rebellion, even in our sinful state, even when we want to go about our own business, do our own thing, God still comes toward us. This philosopher said there's an infinite qualitative distinction between God and humanity, and yet in spite of that, God can't get enough of you. The summary is, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so as I conclude, my prayer is this for you, Connect family. You know, my hope has been in something that is so common and so familiar in terms of the topic that somehow, some way, Christmas uh, would be um, not so familiar. It would be special. It would be, it would be unique. That you would have not just a moment with God, but you would have a message from God to you at Christmas time. You know, when I think back to the original story, the original uh, moments of Christmas, I think of the Luke 2 scripture. Let me read this to you. Luke 2, verse 8 through 11, as I conclude, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields, you've heard this before, nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Now, I was thinking about these shepherds because in just a moment, they're, they're going to have a moment with God. The glory of God is going to come into their lives, interrupt their lives, interfere with their lives. But what were the conditions before that glorious moment with God? I think they were separated from the world. They were out in a quiet place. They were, I anticipate, I think they were, I imagine they were looking up into the stars. They were out of the messy so they could have a moment. 
And then the Bible says, And then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. It was like a shazam. It was, it was a moment, everybody. This was when your hair stands up on your, uh, on your arms, and when you kind of, you, you, you got that, you got that goosebump moment. God showed up. And let me tell you something, there's nothing more powerful than when the presence of God interferes, interrupts, comes into your life. But for that to happen, you might have to separate yourself from some of the messy this Christmas. You might have to create some space, create a condition and environment. See, you can't determine when he's going to show up, but you can prepare yourself how he could show up. You can be ready and waiting when he does show up. And then the Bible says in verse 10, But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news. And that will cause great joy for everybody today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So what's so powerful here is this glory of the Lord shows up. It's referring to the weight of God, the full weight of God. And, and I think it's so important that you have that moment. where It's not about great preaching. It's not about a, a message or, or some kind of content or, or some Christmas carol that you could sing. No, it's just a God moment. And I'm going to pray that for you in just a, in just a second. But you need that moment because it's there that God brings you a message. For them, they separated from the mess, they have a moment with God, and then God brings them a message. Glad tidings that will be of great joy for all people. God wants to do the same for you. If you will get out of the mess, you can have a moment, and God will give you a personal message. As we conclude today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, what do you think in the middle of all of this the craziness of our world today, the chaos of our world today, a pandemic, uh, political unrest, and then we have our own personal issues that are going on as well. What might God's message be to you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, Father God, I thank you for sending your son, the word. You sent your word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, God. Thank you for in vulnerability coming to us as a child. Thank you for growing up and showing us the way and how to live and giving us that identification so we would know, Lord, how to connect with you because of how you connected with humanity. But Father, right now, in the middle of all that's going on in our lives tonight, now, Lord, I pray in our hearts, in our minds, we separate from all the mess that's all around us, in our personal lives, in maybe our marriages, maybe our families, maybe our finances, maybe our health, certainly, Lord, our world. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come right where they are. Lord, not only now, but also at Christmas, Lord, that we create that space with our families, with our loved ones, with the people we care about. And Lord, I pray that you bring a word you bring a word in season. You bring a special message to each person within the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to call the city group leaders at all the different locations uh, to the front because they're going to be there for you, not only to help you and assist you in your spiritual journey, but also pray for you following the service. But if you're here at a city group or if you're online and you have never personally connected with God, you haven't allowed him to dwell 
within you. See, God came so he could be in relationship with you. And if you've never established that relationship, he wants to do that. Would you invite him into your life? Would you accept that his efforts were for you, for all humanity, but for you today? If that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me at Christmas time. I can think of no better gift for you than the gift of salvation. Would you say this with me? Just say, Jesus, today I commit my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I thank you for the free gift of salvation. I can't earn it. I can't pay for it. I don't deserve it. But by grace, it was given to me. And by grace, through faith, I receive. In Jesus' name. And everybody online, everybody in the city groups, all of y'all, as my wife would say from the South, all y'all say amen and amen. Listen, if you made that decision today, that was the best decision you can make this side of heaven, and it will ensure that you are in heaven forever. And so I want to encourage you to raise your hand if you're online, and also to raise your hand in your city group if you just made that decision. We just want to identify with you, and we want to give you something to help you on your spiritual journey. If you're online, we want you to text to 97000 CC saved. And what we're going to do is we're going to send you a book. And this book is called What's Next. If you're at a city group, just let somebody know by raising your hand. And they're going to help you on your spiritual journey as well. Come down front. Let them pray for you. They won't lay hands on you. They'll lay hands near you. They're going to help you on your spiritual journey. And they'll tell you about that book to help you on that journey as well. God. I am so thankful for all these people that prayed that prayer. And I pray you bless them on Christmas. I can't wait to see you in the new year. I can't wait to be back in City Group with you. More and more people there and also online. I love you as your pastor. My wife and I pray for you all the time. And we can't wait to see you in 2021. Of course, we're going to be in church next week as well. But I love you and look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you guys. We'll talk to you later.